Welcome to the Ohio Adult Allies podcast, where we are developing, inspiring, and empowering youth leaders. Today's topic is the value of youth-led programs. Today we are speaking with Jade Eilers. My name is Jade Eilers, and I am currently a second-year member of the Ohio Youth-Led Prevention Network. I kind of got started in the whole prevention world um, my freshman year of high school, and I'm going to be, I'm a rising senior in high school. Um, and I love youth blood prevention. It's so amazing. And Ohio Youth Blood Prevention Network is through Prevention Action Alliance. Elizabeth Ruiz. My name is Isabella Reese. I've been in my local youth council, which is the Youth Advisory Council, part of the HC3 partnership in Fulton County, as well as this is my first year in the Ohio Youth Blood Prevention Network, like Jade, which is part of Prevention Action Alliance. Evie Roberts. Hi, my name is Evie Roberts and I work for Prevention Action Alliance. And there I have the privilege of coordinating the Ohio Youth Blood Prevention Network Youth Council that Jade and Isabella are part of. Uh, I've been in youth blood prevention just as a coordinator for the past three years. Sean Jeffers. Hi, my name is Sean Jeffers and I am a Director of Leadership Development for Youth at the Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I have been part of youth blood prevention for the past three years. Cheryl Sell. So my name is Cheryl Sells. I am the director of youth prevention for Comp Drug and Youth to Youth. I've been doing uh, youth-led prevention professionally since 2006, but I got involved in um, youth youth when I was a teen myself in 1993. So it is in my blood, um, and I love youth prevention. Um, I have filled many roles, and like I said, I, I was a teen in the program as well, so I'm very passionate about this. And host, Holly Raffle. My name is Holly Raffle, and I'm a professor here at Ohio University's Board of School of Leadership and Public Affairs. I don't currently facilitate or participate in a youth-led group, but I am involved in the Ohio Adult Allies Network. My introduction to youth blood prevention was in the late 80s to early 90s when I participated in what uh, was called peer-led prevention when I was in high school. Good morning. Welcome to today's podcast interview about the value of youth-led programs. Our first question is, what is youth-led prevention? So to me, youth-led prevention is just what it states in the name, it's youth-led. And um, at Youth Youth, we've always said youth-led and adult-guided. So when teens ask what that means, it's really teens are the ones going through all of this. And so teens are the ones who are should be guiding and leading the process. So from the idea stages to the um, to the implementation, to the evaluation and everything in between is really involving you through that process. And then, um, you know, the adults are there to support and guide them. Thank you. Jade, what would you add? I would just say that in my experience, youth-led prevention is very youth-driven, but I think a lot of the times the adults who facilitate get the opportunities, but the youth uh, get the opportunities for the youth to showcase their passion and their drive and offer any insight that they have. I know with us, um, with the Ohio Youth Blood Prevention Network, something like that. Like an example of that would be like our legislative day. Um, 
So the facilitators of the group, like Evie, she contacts our representatives, but we go into those meetings and we share our thoughts and our voices. So it's a lot of adults believing in young people and young people having drive and passion for something. Evie, what is youth led prevention? Uh, I would define youth led prevention as being any kind of activity, event, or program in which young people are, as Jade said, that driving force to be able to create change. Uh, the adult is involved in a guiding capacity, so they try to empower the young people, uh, mobilize resources for them, but overall are there to try to um, support the young people in uh, creating their intent. Isabella, what does youth-led look like in action? Can you describe it so we can kind of get a good feel for it? In action, I believe that youth-led prevention should look like the students who have been taking part in the youth that are part of the group should seem as if they're the ones that are in charge and they're the brain behind it. Personally, not even just in, in OILPN, but as well as in the Youth Advisory Council in my county, whenever we put something on, they can delegate, okay, this group's going to do this and this group's going to do that, but ultimately we're the ones that are going to put this in action. We personally run an event at our county fair to kind of get people interested in our in youth council and to offer an, acti an alternate activity for, for the students to enjoy while they're having time off from school. We go through planning stages. They tell us we need this done by this deadline and ultimately while they're there while the adults are there to guide in action a youth a youth-led prevention group is ultimately everything is executed by the youth so i think for us um we think a lot about the that old saying of like children should be seen and not heard and and we want to really flip that on its head and say we really think young people should be seen heard and valued and we know there's a number of spaces like, you know, school boards get together and they make policy about young people, usually absent of young people being involved in that process. And so when youth led is in action, it flips the script from maybe our traditional models and puts young people at the center of the conversation and say, what has your experience been and how do you positively want to impact your surroundings? And young people then feel equipped with the skills to move that plan forward. And I think as an adult in that role, um, my job is to help facilitate what those ideas are, sometimes to navigate um, relationships or help them um, break down barriers that could uh, be in place or that could be uh, preventing their plans from being in place. So how is youth flood programs different from like a volunteer opportunity? Well, I think the biggest piece is that it's the ideas of the youth as opposed to the adults going to the youth asking for delegates or volunteers. Um, it's really the youth being able to have those ideas and feel empowered to, to do something, to take action, to make a change, to be a part of, of something bigger than themselves. And, and the adults really saying, okay, I hear you. I wanna help you to get there. Um, versus being a volunteer who's like, can somebody please do this for me? Or I need somebody to do this where the adults are really the ones thinking of what they need and what needs to happen and just asking you to do that. I think with Youth Led, it's really all about you seeing that need and giving them that opportunity. Um, volunteer opportunities can often become more of like voluntold 
rather than something you actually want to be involved in. With youth vet prevention, it's a lot of times kids who are very passionate about what they believe, whether it be prevention with drug abuse or borderline mental health issues or suicide prevention, no matter what you're passionate about, they all kind of band together and they have a similar mindset about it. While volunteer opportunities are usually different people with different ideas, different beliefs, very different backgrounds that are sometimes don't even care about whether or not the task gets done or whether or not it's done efficiently or whether or not it's actually going to have a lasting impact. Jade, could you tell me what the role is of an adult ally in these web programs? Yes, so I think my adult ally would definitely be Evie and all of the facilitators at Prevention Action Alliance, but I think the role of that is someone who can help support you and let you try things multiple times. I know sometimes I'll like respond late to a text and Evie never lets me like feel bad about it. She's like, do not apologize because I am, you know, I'm doing this out of passion, out of drive, and she's just there to help me and encourage me and support me. So I kind of think of it as like someone who really loves you, but also like fights for you, kind of like a mom in a sense. Um, but yeah. I do agree with Jade that the roles of the adults are to support the youth. Personally, what I've noticed from the way that our youth group works is that in our county level is that while the adults do have a say, it's a lot of the times decisions about how we're going to do it is up to us. We have a leadership board because our group is about 40 to 60 people a year. So we've developed a leadership board. The leadership board works with the adults when it comes to planning the meetings, planning what we're going to be doing, or even this year, how our meetings are going to look like in the future. And ultimately, the adults are there to guide and support, which they always are. But they even tell us when we're working on projects that they can't make any decisions for us because it's up to the consensus of the group. Ultimately, they're there to guide and they're there to support. But an adult ally is definitely someone who does that and honestly can step, is willing to step back and let the youth take the control of the situations. I'll answer this a little bit of, you know, kind of my interest in this work is so when I was in high school, uh, um, I wasn't part of necessarily youth led prevention, but I was part of scouting and in Boy Scouts, like you have a limited amount of time, either to your 18 or 21, depending on the program to make an impact. And I think oftentimes as a young person, um, if adults are stepping, you know, and taking control, and not really allowing young people to lead, and that really limits opportunities for our young people. And so um, so early on in my uh, scouting experience, I had a scoutmaster who was much more um, controlling and didn't really allow the young people uh, um, to lead. And then there was a shift in uh, leadership and the new scoutmaster came in and it was so much more open. And so I think that example for me um, is really how I try to model my leadership is uh, knowing when I was young that I appreciated that ability to feel um, that someone genuinely wanted to know what I was thinking and what I had to offer and and really supported that and encouraged that. And so, so I think that's for me is like 
for adults who are part of this work is really to understand what's your motivation to be part of youth led. And if your motivation is I'm worried about losing control, then youth led might not be something <laughs> you're immediately going to be good at. But if your motivation is I want to help young people really move and put their ideas into action, um, then I think that's uh, where a successful adult uh, can be part of this process. It reminds me of the role of the mentor in the traditional hero's journey that we might see in literature. We oftentimes have this really young protagonist who happens upon a wise old wizard, think um, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings uh, or Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. And that mentor uh, is really supportive of that young person's journey and helps them to uh, devise their plans, to be able to find out who they are, to be able to build their skills so that whenever it's time to go save the world, they're ready. And um, in classic uh, mentor fashion, adult allies, like Isabella said, oftentimes don't um, tell young people everything that they know. They oftentimes hold things back. They can be kind of mysterious uh, because that's the, the role that the mentor plays in the books as well. And they share that information whenever it becomes important. Um, the protagonist is the one who is driving the narrative and therefore makes the decisions and, and decides um, what's important. The mentor is just there to be able to help them create their own story and to be able to be ready to take on the next part of the task whenever it's time. That's a really nice segue into the next question I have. What skills do young people develop in youth-led programs? Yes, so I feel like I, before... I joined a youth-led program. I already had a pretty decent um, ability to speak to people and to speak in front of a crowd, but I think being on the youth council has just amplified those skills. And I think also not only skills are built, whether that be um, ways that you communicate with other people, but also opportunities um, arise and connections with people. I know um, before, youth council. I had never been to the state house. I had never um, meeting with my representatives and I've never really thought about what I would do from a governmental perspective on um, drug prevention change or anything like that. So I think with youth council, I feel like I am much more well-rounded in the world of prevention. I, I know whenever we go and we meet with our legislators, we fill out um, a lot of like template worksheets on what we're going to say, how we're going to solve the problem that we want to approach. And so I think that my problem solving skills and um, everything like that has just been amplified so much. And I think I'm not only more well-rounded in the world of prevention, but just a more well-rounded human. I think for each student, each teen, each person who's involved in youth-led prevention, it's a different um, experience. And I think there's different opportunities and skills that people gain. For me personally, I was a super shy kid. I was really, um, I don't want to say insecure, but kind of just timid and speaking in front of a large crowd was something I ran from. And um, my adult advisor came to me one day and was like, I need you to speak to parents. And I about like had a you know, crazy like meltdown because I didn't want to do it. But um, but he believed in me as as an adult ally he believed in me and he showed me that i 
I had that um, in me. And I think if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have, have challenged myself. And and so now here I am speaking on a podcast and, you know, I run summer conferences with 600 people and, and I never as a 13, 14 year old teen would have ever thought that I would have been involved in something like that. And so, you know, that was a huge takeaway for me is just the, the belief that an adult had on me that I had something that I didn't see at that age and then how I was able to then explore that um, because of, of, of that belief and that encouragement. And so along the way, leadership, um, communication, um, just people skills. And then of course, the obvious, you know, as Jade mentioned, I think learning about the field of prevention and, and what we can do to make a difference. I think so often people see problems or, um, or issues and say, well, I don't really know what I can do about it. Like it, I, I see that this is an issue. I see that this is a problem. I see that there's these things going on and I want to help, but I don't know how. And I think, um, that skill of learning that, that empowerment, that that ability to create change is something that a lot of teens get through youth flood prevention. Absolutely, thank you for sharing your story. Isabella, I'm curious, how are the skills you're learning in youth flood um, applied to your life right now? We've heard from Cheryl how they've applied kind of as her trajectory, but could you tell us a little bit about how you're using those right now outside of youth flood? It's definitely helped me develop communication skills and just in general leadership skills. When I joined as a freshman, I wasn't really a person that liked to talk in front of people. I wouldn't even have done something like this, honestly. But as I grew and I started working, I started developing a voice. After my freshman year in youth council, my adult mentor sent me a couple messages about well, I've seen you talk, you're willing to speak your mind, you're willing to disagree with a consensus, so why don't you use it more often? And she invited me to take a leadership role. It's developed me not only, not only through prevention and through later joining Ohio Youth Flood Prevent, the Ohio Youth, Youth Flood Prevention Youth Council, but it's also helped me in school with projects. It's helped me develop leadership skills for being a squad leader in my marching band. And communication skills with me have grown. I've been able to speak to members of the government, to even just teachers and the school board members with a lot more ease than what I would have without having some sort of background and platform to learn any of these skills. Sean, what type of person is our youth-led programs designed for? Yeah, I think um, I think youth-led programs can be for all young people, but specifically when we talk to schools about some of our leadership development opportunities, most schools hear the word leadership development and an image pops in their head of they want the student who is comfortable already speaking in front of others, who is comfortable being out front, you know, kind of comfortable taking a leadership role. And, and let's be honest, like most schools are risk averse. So that's a student who's not going to necessarily embarrass the school. And they nominate those students for leadership opportunities. 
Um, and I think what we've heard, you know, from Jade and Isabella and Cheryl is that like when an adult notices something in a student who maybe isn't already innate or natural for them, how much that can really lift them up and really help them grow in that sense. And so I think that's one of the things we've started to shift our conversation. And we say, you know, youth led programs can be for all students, but what we're really looking for is young people who are on the cusp of their leadership capacity, you know, that are ready to take that step, ready to really, um, ready to find different ways to lead. And I think it also challenges us as adults that we need to think outside of traditional leadership structures and leadership styles and recognize that introverts can also have an important leadership role to play. And, you know, and that people with different learning styles and different leadership styles um, should be valued in that process. So I think um, sometimes, as you say, it can be for all young people, but I think with intentionality, we can really make sure we're lifting up some of those young people that might not get otherwise identified as potential leaders in their neighborhoods and schools. Thank you, Jane. I saw a lot of nodding from your corner on my screen. Would you mind sharing some of those thoughts I saw in your head? Yes, I agree with everything that he said, but also I think that um, the type of young person um, that youth-led programs are really designed for are people who have passion about whatever the youth-led program is for. Um, I know um, we're kind of on the topic of prevention, but um, I think that everything in our youth council, that every person in there has a passion for the work that they're doing. And so I know I'm an introvert, like he said, like youth-led programs are designed for, I feel like it's what you make of it in a sense. So it's almost like anyone can join, but there are certain things that help in a sense of like, um, oh my goodness. But I think that it's what, I'm so sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But I think that what he was saying was a lot of people are discouraged from encouraging the people who might not speak out as much. But I think that the people who don't speak are the people with the most to say because they're thinking about it for so long. Because I think sometimes we get so distracted by the people who are first to raise their hand, um, but the people who are sitting and stewing on these ideas have so much more to offer, but they just need a little bit of a push to really be encouraged to speak their mind and have an environment to feel comfortable. So I think youth-led preventions are designed for anyone who has a passion, but I think it's up to the adult allies to sometimes recruit those people and do a little bit of digging because so many people have so many amazing things to say, but they might not have the opportunity. Thank you very much. And Evie, uh, you're designed, uh, you work for an agency who's designed a program statewide. So tell me what type of young person is uh, your program designed for? Uh, so I guess I would say that um, the Ohio Youth Blood Prevention Network is designed for young people who are really ready to take their advocacy to the state level. 
for some young people, it might be that like Isabella, they've been involved in their county level youth led prevention group for a while, and they're really excited to be able to uh, come to the state level and to be able to utilize those skills on a greater scale. Or they might be like Jade, who hasn't found anything satisfactory in her local uh, area, but is so passionate about prevention that she's not going to take that, that lack of local access um, to, to limit her. And so she's going to find the first opportunity to be able to empower her to do that. Um, and I just so happened to be able to run into her whenever she was ready for that. Uh, I'd say that we do our best to try to find young people who have a potential energy that is all coiled up inside of them and just ready to be turned kinetic to be ready to be launched onto the world in a way that allows them to make a positive impact. And whether that be through uh, public speaking, which we focus on a lot, on a lot um, or strategic planning and data crunching, which oftentimes is the less exciting part uh, for some people about prevention. Um, we find young people who are passionate about that as well. And we look for uh, what's in it for them to be involved in youth-led prevention and how do we make the most of their talents in a way that satisfies both our program objectives and their personal goals. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheryl, we've heard a lot about these amazing young people and the knowledge, skills, and attitudes that they uh, continue to hone and enhance through youth-led programs, but how do communities benefit from youth-led programs? Well, um, I think in a variety of ways, I think schools benefit from having um, students who are um, more involved, more interested about topics, more willing to volunteer and take initiative and leadership um, within the school and, and, and almost inadvertently serve as like positive role models amongst their peers. Um, so I think that's a, on a school-wide level in, in, in the community, but I think also just as a whole, I know this might sound cheesy, but I think with youth-led prevention, you're really developing youth into positive young young people in general. So it, they're, they're almost becoming just better community members as a whole, future um, leaders, future teachers, future police officers, future government officials, future agency members and directors and things like that, that, you know, they're they're learning these skills and then bringing they're not just using them in in their youth led prevention group they're they're incorporating them i think into their everyday lives which in turn is making them just you know better people and and not that they weren't good people when they came into the program by any means just the they they carry what the lessons that they learn with them wherever they go and um and I think that is just a, a simplified way that they're enhancing the community. But I also think, depending on the projects, on the youth-led initiatives that they're taking within their group, they are then in turn helping to make that community a better place. So whether that be, um, you know, changing norms or whether that be working on policy changes or you know just making the community a safer place educating the community on issues and what they can do i think all of that is um just a few ways that they can help enhance their community and make their communities stronger absolutely i appreciate that isabella you've talked a lot about your group in fulton county can you talk a little bit about how Fulton County is benefiting from your youth-led group and your peers. 
It definitely helps make our county officials and even just the school boards more aware about what's going on. We personally decided two years ago to do our project on going to school boards and talking about them about the issue of teen vaping and adjusting their policies to reflect the change in young, what young people are using. Because we have, the, we have the ability that we're able to take data assessments every two, I think it's four years, I believe. We've had that opportunity and we've used it to our best advantage when it comes to, to, when it comes to fighting what young people are going through. They benefited because a lot of times these, these adults don't know what, what we're seeing. They either are arrogant or they don't give us an opportunity to speak normally. And that shows when you talk to a school board and you show them what a vapor product actually looks like and they have no idea what they're looking at. They were surprised about it. There were, there were stories of school members and staff members of, of other schools in our area that, that thought it was a thumb drive. From a prevention point of view, that's not okay. And youth offer a different voice than what adults can because adults can say things, they can say what youth are going through, but sometimes it's not effective enough for schools or for even just community members who are more interested when youth come to them and say, this is the problem we're having, this is what we're going through, and we need your help because we can't fight this alone. And that's how the community benefits because because of what we've done in our county, school boards have adjusted their punishments and their for for when teens get caught using vapor products in school grounds, they have adjusted their their drug testing to contain nicotine and they've also even added the specific wording of vapor product to their tobacco rule in their school handbooks, which we count this as a big win for prevention in our area. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Sean, I saw you nodding a little bit uh, during Isabella's uh, narrative. Uh, on the flip side, in what ways do community members view youth differently because of youth-led prevention? Yeah, that's a it's a big, a big thing, I think, because some adults uh, see young people differently because they realize, I think to what Isabella was just speaking to, they realize they do have perspective. There's a number of adults who still can view children as just naive or um, immature and don't really think they have a grasp on the world. And so some adults feel like they need to adult explain, if you will, like, you know, like what the world is really like to young people and not stop and listen. And and so so I think when you have, you know, like what Isabella just shared, I mean, like she was poignant, she was direct, like, you know, she was clear. And I think you have somebody like that, like it challenges your preconceived bias if you are an adult who is not thinking that young people have unique skills and perspectives to offer. Um, and, and so I think, and the most important thing youth-led programs do is it gives them a platform and gives them a community to feel supported in moving that forward. So it doesn't feel like they're on an island having to just, you know, do it all by themselves, but that there's this really coordinated, collaborative, 
that is kind of with them. Thank you. Jade, you mentioned your experience talking at the state house level. How do you feel that those individuals that you act with view youth differently because of the young people involved in youth led programs? I think that a lot of times, like the previous speaker was saying, that a lot of times adults have a preconceived notions of how teens act, of how teens think but they're not teens, so they don't really understand. So I think a lot of times when I go in and I speak um, to legislators and things like that, they're caught a little bit off guard because I am educated, I am well put together, and I have passion and drive for what I'm saying. And I'm not like other teens, but I think that the stigma of teens um, needs to be broken. And so when I go in and I talk, I think I'm moving the moving that forward in breaking the stigma of how teens are perceived because if you see young people doing amazing things that kind of correlates to how you view young people and so I think when I go in um, and I show them that I'm worth listening to they will listen and they will um, actually take my ideas into account and so I kind of go in and I lead with the personal side of how I've seen um, addiction and why I'm really in prevention. And so trying to really show my firsthand experience and let them know that I am qualified to be talking to them um, at all. And I'm taking up space in that room. And that is so important. And I think that helps so much in the way that young people are perceived. But I think a lot of times people are surprised, especially when I throw in at the end that I do pageants for a picture or anything like that. So I think that there's a lot of negative, negative stigma, but being in youth-led prevention helps so much to break that barrier. Thank you very much. So this next question is, what evidence supports the work of youth-led programs? Uh, I imagine that some of the evidence is probably anecdotal, but it's also really persuasive whenever you mention how youth-led programs just make the prevention activities more relevant to young people and therefore increases its chances of success. It's not hard to run into a prevention advocate who's had some kind of a failure with a community event or a policy or any other kind of initiative that they tried to run. They might, upon further reflection, realize that because young people weren't involved, their activity was destined to fail from the beginning. They either had it at the wrong time or they had information that wasn't relevant or they weren't recruiting the right young people. All problems that could have been solved if they had just been working with young people from the very beginning of the conversation. And so it becomes intuitive more than evidential that if young people are involved in a prevention activity and the prevention activity is directed at young people, that's when they increase the likelihood of success and is therefore a really strong reason to be able to involve young people. I agree with Evie. To some extent, I don't, it can be measured mathematically or with data, probably it'd be very hard to kind of measure that. But we're seeing the work that they're doing and it's, you're seeing its impact on the world around us because to be honest, we're building a counterculture. I agree with Jay that teens are, teens have been stigmatized, especially with the rise of vapor products and for a while now and it feels like we're built it sometimes feels like we're building a counterculture 
of people who are refusing to not to not stay silent anymore that we're gonna fight for what we believe in and we're seeing this work not only in prevention but in other fields with people with groups or people like Greta Thunberg who is re, who is not much older than some of the youth council members and taking on our own challenges and we're seeing the the effects of youth-led programs all over. We're seeing what they're capable of. In the state of Ohio, we're seeing what they're capable of and what they can do through not only advocacy days, but even in communities about what they're deciding to take on and what they're deciding to do with their, with their passion for prevention or any other cause they're supportive of. Thank you. I appreciate your careful thought. Sean, I see your hand raised. Yeah, so I think Evie and Isabella both spoke to, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, kind of stories and and things that really highlight. Uh, also, as someone who's had uh, the opportunity to work on developing uh, some materials and resources, give a shameless plug for ohio.allies.com. And, and you see on there the Holden model and the Smith model and white papers and research papers and, and all sorts of resources on there um, that kind of show value because uh, different audiences sometimes need different things. Those people who are already, in my experience, those people are already um, predisposed towards being invested in young people. Like personal stories move them in this work. Sometimes people who their default isn't young people sometimes need the facts and the figures and the business case, if you will, to help them move these things forward. And so I think that uh, I think the evidence exists on both sides that helps us be able to reach different audiences to move the work forward. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheryl, could you speak a little bit more to uh, what Sean referred to as the Holden model and the SPIF? Maybe kind of expand out a little bit more on your thoughts on those. Sure. I also just wanted to um, add, I didn't raise my hand, but I wanted to add that um, I think another, just to Sean's point about the stories, um, you know, you you know Isabella said that it's hard to back up you know with data and I think that is very true with some of those anecdotal pieces um, when we do talk about the SPIP and the Holden model we can back that up with data but I think there's power to those stories and I think in youth-led prevention I've often seen a teen sharing their story their reasons why their motivation for making a change and and then somebody in the audience actually going up to them and saying thank you for sharing that because you shared that I now know I don't feel alone and you can't really put a number on on something like that but that to me is evidence that this is working that those teens in the audience that felt alone or felt like they were the only person who felt that way um, is now hearing or seeing somebody that's their age that is not an adult who, oh, you know, I felt this way back when I was your age, or not to belittle that, but it's 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 in their face, it's current, it's this is this is real. I'm not alone. There's somebody else out there who feels the way I feel. And I just I think that's something that you can't really put a value on. Um, 
and it's hard to 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 document that in data format but there are ways to use data to show the evidence behind what we do and i think um, the youth empowerment conceptual framework and the strategic prevention framework are two great ways that we've been able to involve youth um, in that data collection in that proof in that evidence that what we do makes a difference um, so involving youth and, and looking at what makes a youth-led group a, a working strong uh, effective youth-led group through through using the youth empowerment conceptual framework and then once you have that once you have that really strong group now they are in a really good position to be able to create that change and using the strategic prevention framework to look at data to make a plan to implement that plan and then evaluate that plan is now showing a difference that you were able to make uh, in your youth-led work which i think for a long time people in this field didn't think was possible it was well we we do look at all these kids we have and 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 this is how we can make this change and that's true numbers do speak but i think the data now uh to put another shameless plug in thanks to the work of, of the Voinovich School at Ohio University and in collaboration with Prevention Action Alliance and Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, we've been able to kind of implement that within the state of Ohio and, and really prove that what we do is making an impact. And here is a data-driven approach to doing that. Absolutely, thank you. Um, Isabella or Jade, would either one of you like to talk about the strategic prevention and framework and how that has uh, demonstrated the power of youth love prevention in your communities? So we've worked with using SPIF since I was a freshman and far before with our youth council. We have a grant that requires us to do a yearly project. This would not be accomplished without the use of without the use of SPIF or else it would be a massive train wreck and we would never get anything done. It helps us to, to map out our goals and what we want to accomplish. It helps us to figure out, okay, we're doing this project or this project. What is the benefits of this? What is the benefit of that? What age group are we going to try to reach? Who are our target audience? What could this, what could the effects be? What could adverse effects be? What are some challenges we might face in accomplishing that and ultimately how much of a lasting impact is this going to make we have this little triangle i don't know if any of i'm sure some of you have probably seen it of different levels of what and of how much of an effect that certain projects or certain ways of going about something will will work it varies from information dissemination all the way to enacting change at a state or federal level We've used this, we've used this, we've used this in our youth council, we've used it in Ohio Youth Led Prevention, and it's helped to get our projects off the ground. It helps to keep us on schedule, to keep us on track about what needs to be done every month. And it's an effective way to get things done or else with, I don't believe with, without the model of planning, we wouldn't necessarily get things done as well as we have. So what entities support the work of youth-led programs? 
Jade, where have you seen uh, tremendous support for the work that you all have been doing? I think a lot of the support comes from people with the same belief about what we're doing in regards to prevention. I think a lot of support comes from adults who have seen or kind of are reminiscing of the past and wishing they could have done something before. And so I know like my mom and a lot of her friends and things like that, like love what I'm doing and stuff. But I think a lot of times um, support comes from our funders and things at the state level for government. I know with our rally this year, um, or even like previous rallies, because it's typically, you know, in Columbus, we march to the state house, things like that. I know we get a lot of support from Mike DeWine and people who help fund that. I think like Ohio Moss and things like that. Other people in prevention support other people in prevention because we all have this common goal of wanting to, um, you know, we have a common goal of wanting um, just a drug-free world, if you will. And so I think a lot of times, sometimes we can get a negative outlook, but it's because people don't necessarily support the idea um, and not necessarily the group. But I know um, people with similar mindsets and beliefs support our kind of work and people with the means to support um, like any, like of our funders, like I said before, um, but yeah, that's what I know of. So. Absolutely. Thank you. Evie, what entities support the work of youth-led programs? Uh, Jade already mentioned our funders at the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. And of course, uh, there's the Voinovich School um, and all of the work that everybody does there through Ohio University. Um, Prevention Action Alliance helps to coordinate a lot of our partners, such as the regional learning collaboratives, like we have Sean and Cheryl here today. Uh, but then there are all of these, um, you know, community coalitions or youth-led prevention groups who offer support to one another by either offering resources or letting one another um, borrow different kinds of designs, um, trading applications and policies and consent forms just to be able to offer examples and templates of what one another can do. Uh, and then, of course, we also get a lot of support through the federal government from uh, through their drug-free communities grants, which has helped to build up an incredible infrastructure in the state of Ohio because a lot of those community coalitions are still in existence. So they'll receive their five-year grant and then they'll complete their second five-year grant. And then by the end, they will have hopefully found sustainable funding to allow them to continue creating community change. And then they become um, support and resources for other drug-free grantees to be able to continue doing that kind of work, such as utilizing the strategic prevention framework to be able to do their work in building up youth-led prevention groups and then getting them uh, connected to uh, things like the Ohio Allies and the Ohio Youth-Led Prevention Network so that they are able to build up those additional skills needed to be able to continue making community level change. Absolutely. So kind of harkening back to Jade, you said people in prevention support prevention. And I saw Cheryl, you kind of shook your head to that. Would you have something to add there? Yeah, I was just going to add, you know, obviously ditto to what Jade and Evie said, I think is is so true, but just proof of, of people supporting. We've Youth Youth has been around since 1982, and that is a lot of years of 
teens who went through the program. And so a huge um, entity that supports our organization is our alumni base. Um, as I mentioned, I was a teen in the program and now I, I oversee the work that we do. And I think what we're seeing is not everybody gets to be the director of the program that they worked for or that they were a part of when they were a teen, um, but they still want to find ways to be able to give back to something that meant so much to them and made such a big impact in their lives. And so we often call on our alumni um, um, for support and, and, or we don't even have to call on them. They just reach out and say, how can we help? How can we volunteer? How can we be a part of, of, of what you're doing? So um, there's lots of people who were affected by this. And on the flip side, the agency that we work for um, is not only a prevention organization, but we, we do prevention through treatment and, and aftercare and recovery. And so we see that a lot of people who are going through treatment and have been in, in, in recovery are also very supportive of the work that we do on the prevention side and, and are thankful for, for what we do. And, and um, so I think anyone who's been touched by substance use or um, mental health, um, you know, challenges or anything anything that we that we address I think people are supportive of what we're doing and to kind of go back to some of the things other people said just people want to make a difference people want to see a change made and they're happy that that teens are part of that and so they want to do what they can to support that I think it's not only just like people involved in prevention of course it's a given like we get we work with our heavily with our parent coalition as well as our county health department and our the Adams board as well. But it's even just community members, people in the government who don't necessarily have a background in prevention. We got an opportunity to speak to the mayor of our county seat as well as a member of our county's of our county's council, and they were really interested in what we had to say. We proposed an idea to set up a rule on our county seat about about tobacco products being sold in an area and within so many my with so many feet of a school, which we found there were a couple a couple things within a I believe within a hundred feet of the school that sold tobacco products and had been flagged for selling to a minor. And we got support from the city of from the city of Wauseon. We got, which is the county seat in Fulton County. If you didn't know that, we got we got support from village from village councils here where I live in Archbold. And not only that, we get support from community members and from school boards and principals. If you don't mind me bringing up the story, well, after we spoke at Evergreen Evergreen, which is a small school here in Fulton County, after we spoke. About, about the issue of vaping in our schools, the principal actually contacted our youth advise, our, our adult ally and told them and asked them if our students could come in and speak to the school about it. And we could educate the staff members about what to look for. And it's really, really been amazing the support we've gotten from our community because Maybe a lot of these people don't have a background in prevention or maybe they just don't know what they're looking for. And to have them reach out and ask for help is amazing. And it's a great support system for our youth council, knowing that we're actually affecting change. So my next question is, is how are youth-led programs sustained? 
So I think one way they're sustained is through um, all of the entities that folks just mentioned in the previous question that um, through the, you know, Ohio Adult Allies and the Ohio Youth-Led Prevention Network, um, creating these coalitions and collaborations that are happening and that this work isn't just happening in isolation, um, but really trying to say, even though not every youth-led program is focused on the same goal, that all of them are using a similar process and trying to do that in different parts of the state and trying to move work forward to make all of our young people um, feel more equipped and empowered and have our uh, communities um, ultimately be healthier places for people to live and to work. Jade, how do you see um, OYLPN being sustained? I think a lot of the way that it's sustained is through our annual events that the group does, because I think having that thing or multiple activities that the youth council members do and help plan lead um, like every year helps so much to keep the idea of prevention alive, whether that be in the state house um, or even just activities that we do. Um, like the rally, I know every year we have it. And so I think having that positive um, really fun youth-led activity helps to sustain not only the idea of prevention, but Ohio Youth-Led Prevention Network as well. And so I think always having a positive, um, positive and scheduled events that we're doing to keep the idea fresh and in the minds of people helps sustain the group, um, their message, their morals, and their identity. Thank you. And Evie, what forces do you see that are involved in sustainability of youth flight programs? Funding is huge. Basically, everything that we've talked about so far today helps to make the case for why youth-led prevention should be continue to should continue to be supported, should continue to be funded. So, using the strategic prevention framework, for example, to be able to guide uh, the development of certain outcomes that would be um, important for the community or uh, keeping in mind, um, you know, what do we need to do to be able to build the knowledge, skills, and attitudes of the young people who are involved in youth-led prevention so that they can be successful. Uh, even the adult ally as being kind of this linchpin who holds everything together so that they can be this consistent force even while the young people uh, rotate around them every couple of years. It's all to make sure that they're able to keep a certain group of people happy enough that they are willing to continue believing to them to the effect of lots of money. <laughs> so it sounds kind of cynical, but that part does need to be said because of course, if we can't justify our existence, then it's their their duty to be able to find something else to do with those, those tax dollars to be able to make a positive impact. If you were to summarize the value of youth-led programs in one sentence, what would you say and why? The value of youth led prevention in this sentence for me was, I don't feel alone. And so my journey in prevention, um, especially in my area that I live at and the high school that I go to, I go to a school of like 3000 people. And so being known as the girl that's drug free hasn't always helped me in the realm of friends 
or status or anything like that. And so that's fine. I don't really care about things like that. But I think that a lot of the times growing up, especially with the pain I know that I felt from being affected by someone else's addiction, I have felt so alone in my belief that um, I don't want to use drugs. I think drugs are bad. Um, I think I have felt so alone in the fact that I think that people don't, or it's not publicized that people don't think the way I do in terms of that topic. And so being surrounded by people in youth led prevention has been so empowering and special to me because I am seeing people my age who not only support me, but give me love because of what I'm doing. And they, you know, give me a sense of praise. And I have never felt a part of something like this and been encouraged to be so myself. Um, and so youth led prevention means so much because it's helped me be able to express who I am and not be ashamed of it and know that my vulnerability is not a weakness, but it's a strength and being able to use it and capitalize on that to help so many people has been so life-changing for me. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jade. Evie. Uh, my one floor elevator speech to explain youth flood prevention is just to say that youth flood prevention ensures prevention activities are responsive to young people's needs and impactful in our communities. It definitely, I would probably describe one word, is providing a platform for change. Because I don't think I would have had opportunities at opportunities that I've had through my involvement in youth-led prevention that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I've gotten the opportunity to speak to state legislators as well as this year I got the opportunity to go to CATCA in DC and speak to my personal representative's office as well as the senators of Ohio, which was really an amazing experience, even though it was a little weird to be around that many adults at once. <laughs> a little awkward, but I think we spoke well. But not only that, I've gotten to speak in front of school boards and voice my opinions and what I thought about issues in our community. We've gotten the opportunity to speak at council meetings and to high level, high ranking members of our city government, which was an experience that I don't think I would have sought out otherwise, or I would have even thought to be a part of otherwise. And I feel like I've gotten the opportunity to enact real and lasting change in my community, which is something I've always kind of felt driven to do, but never before had a way to do it. It's a, I can't do it in one sentence, but one thing I will say is, um, I think one thing I've seen in youth-led prevention is that it brings so many different people together fighting for the same causes. and. That's something that is, I don't know that we've really talked about a lot on this call, but I think you, Jade talked about, you know, she went, she goes to a big school, but yet being part of this youth, youth, um, youth council, she's meeting people from across the state with like-minded views. And I think that's something about youth love prevention that is really, really beneficial is it brings lots of different types of people from different backgrounds. Um, different experiences in life 
where coming, you know, different communities with different issues, but it's bringing people together fighting for the same cause. And I think there's a value to that, that you're learning about different cultures, different backgrounds, different beliefs, but yet you see the commonalities and it's this inclusiveness. It's this, it's this way of saying everybody is valued the same in, in, in this field. Everybody's voices need to be heard the same and it doesn't matter what you look like or where you come from or who your parents are or you know what education you have. We care about youth as, as, as a voice. We care about youth in general. And, um, and I just think that's something about youth-led prevention that just is amazing and that we haven't touched on. And um, I wanted to make sure to point that out. I'm gonna actually, my sentence kind of picks up where Cheryl left off. And, and that was that, you know, thinking about the one sentence and it kind of encapsulates some of the things I said earlier, but it was having young people be seen, heard and valued in a way that they can positive, positively impact their surroundings. And and I think, and that's really our goal is that um, it, when we help young people in their teenage years feel like they are part of the process to create change, that's something that makes an impact now, but also stays with them and helps them make an impact hopefully throughout their life in meaningful ways. Um, you know, we live in a democratic society and that's the thing is all of us have to find ways to get involved, uh, to be that change and make that change that we wanna see in our world. I just think one, one more thing I wanted to say about sustainability is that youth-led piece um, of, of kind of that peer mentorship and when you have, you know, upperclassmen who are really strong leaders, they are are kind of almost in an in a unspoken way or sometimes spoken responsible for really kind of passing that torch to to the underclassmen. And so when you have high schoolers who are kind of mentors to middle schoolers and middle schoolers who may be mentors to elementary school students, that is 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 sustainability because they're showing teens who are younger than them, you can be doing this too. You know, all, all every year when we have the live in-person rally, I think there's thousands of people who are, who are saying like, I want to be up on that stage one day, you know, and they have the ability to do that. They can apply to be part of the youth council or, or their youth led prevention group can apply to write a speech or, or perform a musical act or there's opportunities. And so I think that is part of sustainability. That is part of continuing to grow involvement in, in passion and in wanting to work on this um, in the future as well. So I love that about youth blood prevention too. I think just something to add to, to what we had said about like what kind of youth it attracts is that from what I've seen, it attracts all kinds of people and it attracts it attracts people that if you get to know, they're gonna be amazing people to to find more out more about them and they're gonna be amazing people to have as friends and as allies. Personally, in my in my youth my local youth council, I have a couple of friends from other schools that I've met through 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 the youth advisory council and there are honestly some of the most interesting types of leaders I've ever met. Me personally, I tend to be a more 
vocal person. I tend to have a habit of making, being the kind of leader who makes themselves very clear. They're very strong spoken. And oftentimes, if you're possibly a more sensitive person, I could come, I come off as rude sometimes to people. And I've been told that by them. I've gotten the opportunity to work with a friend of mine. She is a very much an introvert, very soft-spoken person, but she's an amazing leader that she's grown into. Both of us, when, when both of us joined Youth Council, we didn't talk at all. Like we kept our mouths shut. We were very much high introverts that really just didn't want to be talked to by anyone. We didn't really want to get to know anyone. And by our third year, we kind of blossomed into people into people that are going to have an impact not only in our youth councils but in our schools as well. So it's interesting to see what these people become as they work through, as they grow as people. It's just amazing to hear the power and the value of youth-led programs from the adult allies and the young people uh, that both serve their local communities, the state of Ohio, and the nation. Thank you for listening to the Ohio Adult Allies podcast. You can find more of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play by searching Ohio Adult Allies. Episodes are available at www.ohioadultallies.com.